This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand. On Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Happy Friday to all of you. I am Steve Dace. He is Aaron McIntyre. We are down a man. Todd has the day off. So we have two contributors joining us for the Dace Group here momentarily. And as you can see, we have dramatically upgraded the aesthetic quality of this program. Uh, New York talk show host Shannon Joy, Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. Uh, they will be joining us and all of the men in the audience said amen. Um, however, it should also be noted, ladies, that it takes two women to do the job of one Todd. <laughs> come on, come on. Just saying... Just saying. The patriarchy is back. I love it. Yes. It never went away. It never went away. Yes, indeed. All right. We'll get to them here in just a moment uh, and the day group. Don't forget next hour, it will be a feedback Friday, and that's when we will respond to your responses to us. Also, don't forget that season three of The Chosen is debuting in theaters beginning on November the 18th. Fantastic show. And that reminds me, I've got to go back and now watch season two. Uh, but the debut of the first two episodes will hit theaters starting November the 18th. Uh, the fantastic show about the Gospels and the full season will debut for free on the Chosen app right before Christmas. But if you want to see the first two episodes in a theatrical experience, go to thechosentickets.com, thechosentickets.com. The Chosen Tickets, all one word. TheChosenTickets.com. Now you can get tickets and more information on season three of the fantastic biblical epic, The Chosen, which debuts in theaters on November the 18th. And with that, let's get to the day screen. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that <laughs> is keeping me up at night. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. I am not in favor of banning any books in Dearborn. If parents do not want their children to read a book, they should not allow them to do that. But to voice their views of one group of citizens on the rest of Dearborn doesn't work either. This is what Hitler did, and we all know how that worked out. And if you're fully vaccinated, get one more COVID shot. And if you get it, you're protected. And if you don't, you're putting yourself and other people on necessary risk. 
We tried and tried, but finally we beat Big Pharma. When the researchers compared the immune responses of people who got a booster dose of the original shot to the people who got the updated bivalent COVID booster shots, um, they, they looked, the way that the research shows is they looked about the same. Is that disappointing news? Right. Well, if that is the case, it's not that disappointing because both of them work very well. So I think the jury is still out about that. But even if it turns out they're equivalent, they both did very well, which means there's no reason not to and a very good reason to get your updated booster shot. Do you support a federal fund for individuals like myself who need to take time off work, obtain child absolutely. care? The answer is absolutely. But absolutely. guess what? We need the same votes we need to overrule that, to uh, reinstate. Uh, when we're halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that's ever shut down our schools. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that shut down our businesses. I never did that as governor. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Hi. Good night, everybody. Indeed. All right, let's get to the first question. Greatest opening line in the history of debates. Admiral Stockdale, you may now sit down. Uh, let us begin. What was the foulest stench vomited forth from the bowels of hell this week? Jill, you may begin. Well, Steve, this is a show that almost didn't happen. I'm wearing my big Elon Musk Freebird t-shirt, if everybody can see that out there right now, because obviously everything that's going on with Twitter right now, we're very excited to get that back. But when I look at what happened then after that, my internet went out and they almost didn't let me come on this show today for, for all of those reasons with our big tech overlords. But when I look at Aaron's montage specifically, I will say that going through and seeing all the COVID stuff still playing out the way that it does. Joe Biden going through and saying, we beat big pharma. In what world can you say you beat big pharma? You're hand in hand with them as you as you go through month after month now. And when you look at, at Anthony Fauci on CNN, he wasn't lying when he said that both of the shots were effective. He believes that both of the shots were effective. They did exactly what they were intended to do. Were they intended to stop the transmissibility of COVID? No. Were they intended to do numerous other things? Yes. And that's why he will still be my worst of the week. Well said. Shannon. I had to go with the woke librarian speaking in front of the school board calling the concern from parents about blatant pornography in public school libraries from elementary libraries to high school censorship. And I can speak to that from personal experience here in Rochester over the past. Shannon, half. I apologize. We're going to drop you and I'll just call you back on the phone. Yeah, sorry about that. The mic was really bad there, sister. Sorry about that. Um, while we are reconnecting with Shannon Jill, let me redirect back to you on yeah. the, 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 the we're still rolling out. And when I use terms like cult, again, I'm not doing this for dramatic effect. I wish I were actually. I mean, I, I wish I were embellishing here. We are <laughs> uh, uh, two weeks after 
one of Pfizer's poobahs, went before the European Union and admitted that the jabs were never intended to stop transmission. The president is still out there repeating the lie that he said last winter about if you get the jab, you won't get sick, you won't get infected. There is no, like, no objective measure, no fact that could be revealed that causes any level of self-awareness, any level of moderation, any level of backtracking whatsoever. It really is the Jehovah's Witnesses at your door and always on a beautiful Saturday morning when you don't have time. Uh, and, you, and, and, and you ask them a critical question and they just blink and go back to the spiel. This is a cult. Absolutely. And when you look at all the information that we have now, There's no other way to say it because time after time we have facts coming out and yes, certain people are going to be up to speed, but when you have the leaders in charge still going on national television, when you have the president of the United States still saying, hey, one more shot, right? Even just the way that he said it. Oh, just get one more shot. Just a little pinprick. They know that yes. time is going to be coming to an end where, where it's at some point, you know, OK, a majority of people might not say, OK, I, I don't need another one, but they're going to have that hardcore base. We are at, you know, the man behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz pulling the strings at this point in time, just saying, oh, no, 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 don't don't look over there. Just stay right here with me. I'm going to be the one to tell you what you need to do. Don't listen to all of those other people. Aaron, get high on your own supply. I think the worst of the worst this week, there was a lot to choose from. And since we won't have Shannon back for a couple of minutes here, I'll say the worst of the worst was indeed that Karen in Dearborn, Michigan. Just walking in there like, let's just admit it, walking in there like a boss, telling those Muslims to their face, you're a bunch of Hitlers, a bunch of little Hitlers over here because you don't want to give your kids pornography and have them learn about gender ideology. Bunch of, bunch of Hitlers. That is, that is the spirit of the age incarnate right there. That is the spirit of the age incarnate in so many different ways. Don't have enough time on this show to really list them all. It is, it is absolutely insane absolutely insane the level of let's just say appropriateness of that clip uh, of that clip there is um i cannot think of another i cannot think of maybe another video that so encapsulates you've got every single every single facet of the spirit of the age from the karen as you said the, as you as you saw there to uh, the very end game, really, what ends up with the spirit of the age and progressivism is the locusts start to eat themselves. You see the interse- intersectionality totem poles absolutely go at each other. It's not so, and that's my worst of the week. Back, this, you actually just confirmed the point I just was discussing with Jill in a different way. I mean, we, we are sitting here, Aaron within the final two weeks of an election where they're getting their asses kicked by any objective measure. Their, their own polling, which is, was devised much of this cycle as it was the last one, to advance a narrative and not accurately gauge what was really happening out there. We have seen a massive retcon with their own polling in just, just this calendar week. 
Now, everybody now suddenly is wants to tell the truth about the tsunami that we were discussing on this show weeks ago. And, and so in response to that, in response to that, is there is there even like a Bill Clinton press conference where he just completely gaslights you that the Republicans who have no power in Washington really at all are totally to blame for the economic maladies and and inflation. But he's at least attempting to address the issues you care about. They didn't even do that. They didn't even do that. Instead, he went sicko mode. Brought in a half dozen dudes who need mental and even more importantly, spiritual counseling and gave them an exclusive sit down. He had a he had a he had a bearded lady summit. That is that is a freaking cult, man. They, they, They don't even respond to market forces. It's like they don't exist. They just stay on the spiel. They, they, and there's nothing that gets them off of that, that of, of, of those topics. People are out there like, how am I going to eat my home this winter? Uh, hey, uh, bearded lady and uh, more uh, child mutilations in the final couple weeks of the campaign, Aaron. It is it is cosmic. It really is cosmic. I mean, this is in some ways, this is good for the country to see this up yes. close and per- personal. It's also sad. Is, it's also sad that it has to get to this point that, you know, bearded lady acts the final gasp, as you put it this week, of, uh, of, a, of a failed generation. It, it, it takes this to get people to maybe start to wake up. And I say maybe start to wake up. Amen. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one signifying how likely it is that Joe Biden still dresses himself, and 10 being how many more men Lindsey Graham has undressed than either Shannon or Jill has combined? Rank this week's level of total depravity, Jill. Skype hates us today. Has to be the worst product. Because now we have got the same the problem with Jill's mic. Now we have the same product with uh, problem with Jill's mic. I think we're going to have to let one of these one of these uh, women loose. I'm sorry. I don't know how we're going to get both of them on because when we have both of them on, this happens. That's what happens. Yeah. So that's why Jill was great before. Yep. And so Shannon Shannon sounded great, and then Jill sounded terrible. Something like that. All right. Uh, so, Aaron, scale yeah. of 1 to 10, where are we? We're at uh, 30. I'm going to make, uh, make this a 10 for all three of us on this, uh, on this panel. All right. The show must go on. So, Aaron, I'm just going to rely on you to figure this out here. All right. Uh, issue two, Ben Shapiro admits he was wrong. It is now perfectly clear that we were lied to. That we were lied to, and we were lied to at a very high level from very, very early on by both the vaccine companies in terms of the ability of the vaccine to prevent transmission. And we were also lied to by our politicians who apparently knew better. And they just kept lying. And this is creating, you want to know why there's mistrust in the institutions? It would be because of this kind of stuff. It's because you have experts who are constantly telling the platonic lie to people. And people who want to have faith in the experts because you, you have to use heuristics when it comes to the world. But the big problem here is that when you have an entire institution like the scientific institutions or the government, and the government is issuing lies in order to get you to do a thing. And then it turns out that these things are lies. Well, people's distrust in the institution is going to skyrocket, right? Everybody who's involved in this sort of stuff needs to be thrown out of office. If they're in the private sector, they need to be fired. There may need to be actual criminal prosecutions if you are disseminating false health information to people on the basis of zero evidence. This is nasty and horrific. And again, the the way that the, the 
Pfizer lady justified all of this. She said, well, you know, there are certain studies that say we may have saved 20 million lives. Okay, well, let's say that that's true. You also lied to the public about this stuff in order to get them to do a thing you wanted them to do, which in free democracies is supposed to be bad. All right, so first question. What is your general opinion of what is perhaps the biggest and most influential thinker in conservative media, certainly on a short list of people we would rank? Ben Shapiro, what he has to say about the jab here and how he was misled. Aaron. For a lot of people, I have a a hard problem showing any grace when they were wrong on basically any of this stuff with COVID and COVID stan. I have a very hard time having any grace for them or any mercy for them, especially if I especially if I think they should know better. However, when it comes to Shapiro, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I'm not exactly happy, but with him because of what he represents, the platform that he has. With me, it's a better late than never. Now, I'm not saying that I think Ben Shapiro uh, thinks this is a depopulation scheme. Which it is. Which it is. Or that Shapiro believes now that this was escaped from a lab or a bioweapon, which it is. Mm -hmm. Or that any number of the, the, the more nefarious facets of this story is true, which almost all of them are. But with this one... I think it takes some intestinal fortitude on the platform that he has to admit that he was lied to. The reason why I am more relieved than anything is because they're going to, as we have said multiple times and warned multiple times, they're going to run this scam back again over and over and over again. I have a little more confidence, not all the confidence, but I have a little more confidence that the largest non-Fox right-wing news outlet, we're pretty big, but we're not Daily Wire big here at The Blaze, I have a little more confidence that maybe next time around, they're going to say, hey, um, the largest name on that platform will say, hey, uh, let's pump the brakes here. Because he talks about in that same clip, it goes on for about eight and a half minutes, He talks in that clip about, hey, we have to do our own research now. To me, that's a guy that says, I'm not letting this happen again. I hope it says that anyway. So I'm I'm relieved more than anything that he's at least come around on this facet of this issue of COVID, Stan. So I would go to Shannon here, but because of some technical issues, this is the first time we have tried to Skype in multiple accounts together since we had this new board and new studio. So there's clearly some internal setting we just could not make work. So we had to, we had to let Shannon go because Sorry, we couldn't Shannon. get her sound to work. We're going to make it up to her though. Cause I specifically chose a couple of our topics today cause they're in her wheelhouse. So we're going to get her on next week where she'll get her own individual segment to address these issues. All right. So I just want our audience to know that. All right. So Jill, let me go to you next. Your thoughts on Shapiro's commentary here and the, the, the impetus for it. 
Uh, too much estrogen to handle on the Dace group, apparently, this week. Um, we, <laughs> it's it's nice. all Todd's fault, right? This is this is all Todd's fault for not being here. Um, Todd, obviously the anti-vaxxer of the show, Ben Shapiro, uh, was a pro-vaccine guy before. Uh, we know his, his wife is a doctor and his daughter uh, got whooping cough and went out there after that and said, everybody needs to get vaccinated. It's not just about you and the shots that you get. It's about everybody else. So Ben came into this from a pro-vaccine stance and said, you know, I'm going over to my parents' house a lot. I think that I should get vaxxed. Now the questions like Aaron says, now what is Ben going to do from here on out? Will he continue to question down this path? Because you go back to the bleep Lord Nefarious said, with Anthony Fauci on CNN saying they worked as planned. They're mm -hmm. still effective. The jabs are still doing what they're intended to do. You have to ask more questions and get to, is it a depopulation scheme? Is it all of this stuff that we are openly talking about now here on this show? But when you have one of the biggest, most influential members of conservative media, we need everybody to be pulling in the same direction. It has to be an all hands on deck issue because when it when I look at this, this feels like a big moment of for freedom. Are we going to take our freedoms back with the jab, with the internet, with the trans movement, right? Are we are we going to question all of the narratives and are we going to question them boldly and turn this country around? Or is this the moment where everybody lays down? So this, for me, feels like a much bigger moment with, with the midterms coming around. It's, it's a moment in time that couldn't, couldn't have greater consequences than it does right now in human history. So for both of you, that is very well said. And um, I have avoided talking about this publicly um, really since from the very beginning when, I mean, he was having Scott Gottlieb, who's a total big pharma hack on his show and everything else. I, I've avoided talking about this for a couple of reasons and they're both personal. And I, if I, if I'm not sure I can be objective about something or at least as objective as I can try to be in this mortal fallen coil of sin, uh, then I have a tendency just not to address stuff. Like, I mean, you know, if you are a longtime listener on this show, uh, then you know we have hardly talked about Ted Cruz at all except for how pissed I was about his vote on Ukraine. But we have hardly talked about my man Ted Cruz at all since the day I ceased working for him in May 2016 on this show. And the reason is, is because there's no way I can give an objective opinion or that I can give something that you could perceive as an objective opinion. If I praise what I think he is doing or saying, well, you know, you're just a simp. If I criticize it and, you know, that makes it all the rounds in the cruise world and now suddenly I'm a traitor and I can't just give a casual analysis that everything has to be significant or existential given our relationship. And so that's where I've just essentially on behalf of this show and you in the audience, I have recused myself from from doing so. It's it's and, and that's the twofold reason I've recused myself here. Number one, I am a sinner. Number I am competitive. I'd be lying to you if I told you it didn't dawn on me and I never noticed all the emails that I never responded to, I don't think. But all the emails that all of you sent me asking me why 
uh, and what happened to Ben that he doesn't understand what's been happening here the last two and a half years. And why aren't there more people that watch your show and, and, and listen to your show compared to his? I am a dude. Okay. I am not, at least yet anyway, short on any levels of testosterone. I just did get it checked. At my age, you do that. Um, I am hyper competitive and I didn't want to get into a situation where I was projecting some competitive uh, petulance into my analysis. So that's one reason. The other reason is also personal. I respect the hell out of Ben. And he knows that. I have. I admire the empire he has built. He kissed nobody's ass to do it. Sold out to nobody to get there. The list of people in this business who have been successful that did it without becoming stenographers for a political candidate or a particular wing of the Republican Party or this or that is not very long. And he did it. All right. And so I, I respect the hell out of that. He's also one of the few people in this industry whose intellect I actually respect. Like, and this will sound arrogant, but it's true because it's what I really think. Um, he's one of the few people when I go to engage them, I actually will do a little homework as opposed to I'm confident based on my ability to articulate my ability to process information and my knowledge base that I can just show up and let's do this. He's one of the few people I'll do some advanced work before I engage. And so the, the combination of those two impulses are why we've largely not discussed this publicly on this show. But now that he has come forward, I want to say this. I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because a lot of you that like me now gave me the benefit of the doubt when I was wrong about Trump. I fought him. I was part of Free the Delegates. I fought him all the way to the convention. I fought him after the convention. I did not vote for him in 2016. I thought he would be a disastrous president. Pre-COVID, he was a fantastic president, a personality that still grates on me and annoys the hell out of me, yes, but I don't care. I don't need a buddy. I just need to not pay 485% more in inflation. All right? That's what I need. I need you to do that job. I don't need that. We're not hiring a my buddy, okay? We're not hiring for big brothers and big sisters. We're hiring a damn president. Do that job, okay? Don't need a mentor. I need a president. And he was fantastic pre-COVID. And I had to admit I was wrong many times. I was wrong initially about the Mueller probe. I never thought a guy with his record of success would possibly have sold his entire birthright and legacy as a public servant down the toilet for such an obvious attempt at a ham-fisted coup, and he did. And a lot of you overlooked that when I bet whatever integrity I had left from the beginning on COVID and that something smelled rotten in the state of Denmark. And on this one, I was right. Ben has too prominent of a platform, too potent of a voice in our industry and movement to not want it engaged in the fight if he's willing to engage in the fight. Here is my personal challenge I would issue to Ben, though. My friend, and I'm honored that you endorsed numerous of my books in previous iterations. We worked together at Salem. This is the tip of the iceberg. The lie about transmission, oh, there are many more. Operation Warp Speed is, is, is rotten fruit to the core. There are many more lies than this, just this. This is, this is the tip of a smod level of iceberg. And with the topic we'll talk about here soon, 
the change of leadership in Twitter, a lot of people, especially on the right even, are going to get exposed to things that they did not know if all they did was watch Fox and Friends. They're about to learn these things, especially as the data piles up. And now there's a platform that's going to make it much safer to smash that Overton window and get it to you. And so I had to learn my final straw was Brett Kavanaugh. When that thing was just holistically proven to be made up out of thin air, that was my final breaking point. I had to let go of my own idolatrous belief in American institutions and, and, and admit that I'm going to be uncomfortable gathering information because of that lost faith from this time forward. I'm, I'm not comfortable not having constants. Anybody that knows me knows I like constants. We don't have a lot of right, right now. That is the constant. So embrace that. For Ben, this needs to be his Kavanaugh. He needs to realize if they lied about this, brother, what else have they lied about? Including about this. And that will be the challenge and test for Ben and his audience moving forward, in my view. Exit question. If the odds that Trump will do a similar mea culpa on Operation Warp Speed next year during the GOP presidential primary were a U2 song. Which U2 song would it be? A, mysterious ways. He's just too unpredictable to guess. B, until the end of the world, he's too devoted to his so-called success. Or C, with or without you. Uh, if he has to abandon the jab to win, he will. Aaron. Uh, until the end of the world. Hmm. Jill, you're nodding your head yes. Is that your answer? Same. Until proven otherwise, he will go until the end of the world. I, I need to see the change before I answer anything else. That would... Now, you guys have heard me say, because I know, Jill, you've been listening to this show since, you know, you were a college student. Someone, you, you're, in, in our political process, people don't evaluate you as an, as an individual construct, but in relationship to the people that are their options on the menu. All right? So then there must be a candidate in that primary next year who is willing to uh, confront him and exploit that for it to truly hurt him. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to say, yeah, he sucked on this, he sucks on it now, but he was great before that. And all those things are true. He sucks on it. He sucked on it then. He sucks on it now. And he was great before then. Is there anything there that's not true? Those things are all yeah. true, right? All right. Then the question is, will there be a candidate in that race next year that will challenge him directly on the weakness of that issue? If not, then he'll get away with it. If there is, then it's on. We'll come back. A new day for free speech or another banana in his tailpipe. We'll discuss next. Hey, I've gotten a, a few of you that have contacted me, including somebody this morning that had the wrong promo code with our friends at Jace Medical. So good time to tell you about them again. If you're wondering who they are, um, basically, it's the My Patriot Supply for medicine. For if it really goes down here uh, and things get bleak and you're in survival mode, do you have uh, a full complement of safe and effective proven antibiotics that can be there for just about any kind of infection from amoxicillin to doxycycline and more. And, and what if it just kind of goes down and then they want you to go down? So they tell you that suddenly these drugs you've been taking your entire life, we couldn't possibly try to repurpose them because they're dangerous now. You shouldn't be taking them at all because it's not like we have a precedent where they just did that to you and killed a bunch of us 
right? That's why the code you want for our friends at Jace Medical is DACE10. Again, DACE10, not just my name, DACE10. That gives you 10% off uh, when you go to jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, J as in Jeff, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, promo code DACE10 to get $10 off. These are good folks. Had a good call with them a couple of weeks ago, and they understand what has happened here in the last 30 months. They are very, very uh, awake, knowledgeable of what time it is. That's why they have put together this palette of effective and and comprehensive antibiotics so that you have them should it go down or should China just decide, you know, yeah, we don't want to give you those anymore. So you, know, you, you stupidly let us make 80% of the antibiotics in the world. So we're just going to not give them to you anymore. JaceMedical.com is where you want to go. J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com, promo code DACE10. All right, let's bring in Jill Savage, Blaze TV contributor. Bring her back here as we continue on with our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three. Enter Elon. Billionaire Elon Musk closed his deal to buy the social media company Twitter and take it private on Thursday night. Musk immediately got to work by firing the company's CEO, CFO, and an executive responsible for the decisions to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story and to ban Donald Trump. Musk said in a statement to advertisers, quote, The reason I acquired Twitter is because it's important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. He goes on to say he didn't buy Twitter to, quote, make more money. I did it to help humanity whom I love. He also reassured advertisers, quote, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences, end quote. Musk posted a video to Twitter this week of him walking into Twitter's headquarters for the first time. Of course, nothing should be a free-for-all hellscape, right? Uh, God is a God of order, not chaos. His people should be people of order as well. For example, uh, earlier today, I saw the infamous Taylor Lorenz claim that uh, rape threats have gone up in her DMs uh, since Elon took over. Jill, you're the only person here that would, has any remote shot of getting a rape threat, all right, for obvious reasons. You get a lot of these in your DM box? No. And I, you know, not to say that I was skeptical of her, but I wasn't, you know, just fully on board saying, oh, of course, because we have our colleague over at the blaze, Sarah Gonzalez, Mm -hmm. any threats that she gets, she posts them right Mm -hmm. away. She Mm -hmm. replies to them. Mm -hmm. If it was something that was public, if it was a private DM, she posts it. So if Taylor Lorenz has all of these rape threats that are coming at her, then post them. And we don't condone them. I don't want her or anyone else to have to deal with any Absolutely. of this. But if it happened, then just show us and, and say, and okay, these are these are the idiots that are doing it. I mean, I, I I communicated this to my daughters. I know you had a good dad. You know that if you get a public rape threat, you should report that to the proper authorities, not just kvetch on Twitter about it. Like, are there women in the world, in our country, that truly understand if they got a public rape threat, that is a crime and they should go to the criminal authorities with that or are, did they tell you guys that at the at uh, you know chick coaching you know whatever yeah, chick I mean, orientation is do you guys get they tell you that right go to the cops if you get a threat 
It's a pretty standard thing, right? Okay. If you receive a threat of rape, a death threat, anything, you hand that over to the proper authorities. So that's that's the only thing that I just kind of leave my house, myself scratching my head going, eh, you know, what what's going on here? Because that would be one hell of a thing to just try to virtue signal about getting rape threats, right? But thankfully, it's Taylor Lorenz. So, of course, we completely believe that she would not be capable of such a thing. Anyway, in an era where we don't know what a woman is, I couldn't take for granted that the chick catechist has told you all, when someone threatens you with a rape, call the cops. Don't call the... When you think you've been raped by a future Supreme Court justice, do not call the Washington Post because there's no statute of limitations on rape. Call the cops. If you think you have been raped by a future senator in a rural mall in Alabama, again, don't call the Washington Post. They can't help you. Uh, call the 5-0. Call the police. You have been the victim of a crime. I just That's your public service announcement here for the Steve Day Show, and rapists should be executed. So let's get to the first question. Aaron, if you could define your reaction to Elon Musk taking over control of the most influential social media platform within American media in one word. What word would it be and why? Hopeful. You know, I, I will um, I will say right now I'm not necessarily ecstatic. Maybe I should be, but I think most of all I'm hopeful. What I want to see stat, though, and when I say stat within the first week or two, I want all the dead accounts back. I want the, uh, I want the Thanos snap reversed here. Even if Donald Trump's not on there, I want to see his account back. I want to see Babylon B's account back. By the way, just to reset this as well, the thing that got the Babylon Bee banned was that story calling Richard, I'm sorry, Dick Levine a man because Dick Levine is a man. He is a man. Mm -hmm. Dick Levine is a man. There's no such thing as a Rachel Levine woman. There's a Dick Levine who is a man. They called Dick Levine a man. And they gave him the Man of the Year Award. They gave I him the Man of the Year Award, the Babylon Bee Man yes. of the Year Award. They could have gotten their account back at any point if they would have just deleted the post. But they did not. And I don't think you're going out on a limb. I think maybe even he's said as much, if I remember correctly. They said their fanboy, who's done interviews with the Babylon Bee, yeah. came off the top rope and just said, I'll just buy the damn thing. I, I absolutely believe that is why he bought well, I don't, Twitter. I don't think that's even, you don't even need to just, I think he's actually almost said that as well. Maybe, maybe I'm just making that up, but I digress. So I, I'm hopeful, but I want to see these things reset and brought back. Uh, as soon as possible for me to really believe that things have changed. Jill, what say you? Steve, you tell me the last time on a Friday that we've used the words hopeful and optimistic. <laughs> that is my word. As Stained once said, it's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, go ahead. That is what I'm going to go with. I'm optimistic. Of course, you know, when I think it was Shannon and I actually on the show together when Elon Musk went through and said that he was thinking about purchasing Twitter initially, I'm still skeptical of Elon. Do I believe any billionaire entirely? Am I going to hand over all of my hopes and dreams to him? No, of course not. I'm still going to have a healthy level of skepticism. But with what we've seen just overnight, on day one from Elon, the fact that he fired, you know, the major players in charge, the CEO, the CFO, the person who was doing uh, all of the banning on Twitter of of all these accounts, right? Like we, we see if, if Trump wants to come back, great. He should have his account back, whether he tweets on it or not, it should be there for him. I look at my own personal account, Twitter's already way more fun from overnight to just right now. And the interactions, I, I swear, because my mom only follows like 100 accounts, 
my account isn't even half of what Steve's is, but my mom couldn't even see my tweets. I was shadow banned from my own mom who follows like a hundred people. So we now look at, at the bigger scale, right? What is Twitter and what is the impact going to be? Is this going to be the turning point where wokeness is potentially peaked? Because now we have the ability to push back in a large way. We don't have to sit down and be quiet. We can go out and state the truths. AOC, we see the hecklers that are coming over to her town halls. Is that going to happen just in the town halls or she's gonna receive feedback now online and criticism online as well? I think this is a huge moment for Twitter looking and going through, making your voice heard. I'm just, I'm so excited. Like I said, optimistic is gonna be the word that I use for this because Elon could go through, He'll. I, I'm hoping that he's gonna release the findings that he has. He's firing those that were in leadership positions and going through and freeing Twitter. We know that the deep state isn't gonna go away lightly, but the fact that he is pushing back as hard as he is already from the very first moment that he got will leave me optimistic. To me, I, I think this has the potential to be the greatest momentum shift when it comes to free speech and the free expression of thought that we have had since the ascension of social media pre-Trump presidency gave us a huge opportunity to push back on their narratives, which is why after Trump used it to win the presidency, they tried to lock it down. Or Elon Musk is the Antichrist. I think it's one of those two things. Because I don't, I don't know what they would come after him with. He's already the richest man in the world. He has, he has cross Maginot line geopolitical. I mean, he could just, you know, live nicely off the deals he has with countries like China. He doesn't need Davos. Doesn't need the West. Doesn't really need anything. Uh, if they had something on him, the best they had was he might have banged one of his buddies, uh, you know, uh, girlfriends or something, and they all came out and said that wasn't true. I mean, they had six months here to to Harvey Weinstein, this guy. If there was something real in his closet, like there was obviously with Harvey Weinstein, nothing. There's nothing there. So, I mean, we're kind of at, you know, Elon Musk didn't kill himself territory, frankly. So it's either this guy is, you know, the literal Antichrist that has curried favor, uh, you know, sadistically and strategically and brilliantly with every sector and fashion of humanity in order to build some sort of global consensus around himself, or this is a momentum shift in free speech um, without recent parallel. And I know a lot of you are saying in our audience, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on the format. I don't care about it. You're right. Um, over 80% of Twitter accounts are not based in the U.S. Something like 2.5% of Americans have an active, vibrant Twitter account they use. But the but Twitter is what the city gate was in ancient times. A lot of people didn't have time to just show up and hang out at the city gate all day long with listening to arguments and debates. They had crops, they had families, they had land, they had jobs. They, 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 that was only, there was only a certain sector of the culture that was there. But the conversations that took place at that city gate impacted what you heard everywhere else. That was the Overton window in ancient times. And in our media scape, Twitter is that city gate. It is that Overton window. It does. It is the place where all the information sectors converge to engage themselves and get their messages out so that it eventually filters down to those of you that don't take place in Twitter as a make-believe world. And that's why this has a tremendous momentum shift potential.
So exit question. One year from now, will Twitter be a freer and more open platform than it is right now? Aaron. It will be. It will be. And I think something we're going to find out really quickly as well, how, how much of an institution truly is Twitter? Can the spirit of the age just conjure up another platform that all of the mm. influencers go to? I, I don't think that's, I think that's a lot, a lot harder said than, than done because of the built-in audiences that all of these blue check marks, all of these influencers, all, every sector of, uh, of culture has there. That's going to be hard to rip away. The uh, current share price of the metaverse would tend to agree with you. Yeah. It's not as easy as it sounds. Jill, what say you? Yeah, if you don't like your Twitter, go build your own. It's going to be more free a year from now. Um, and I look at that, and Aaron, if, if they did go out and build their own new platform, it would suck. Yeah. Because we saw what we had to deal with. With the lockdown Twitter, it's going to be terrible if these people try and go out and create something new and original. Nobody's going to enjoy the user experience because they were saying, oh, yeah, we can't go through and let terrorists on the platform. Well, guess what? Anybody on this show has been labeled a domestic terrorist. So yes. the, the user agreement that will come through from whatever new Twitter they would create would be incredibly terrible and that would last maybe a week. All right. So quickly, let's go to our issue for kicker topic. If you could do one thing to ensure the freedom of speech and free exchange of ideas and information, what would it be? Aaron? Uh, I would say um, get rid of get rid of uh, legacy media. Just completely get rid of it. Is th- does that count as an answer? I, I, I'm just what us refusing to just react to it all day long and, and legitimize it there therein work just as effectively no because these guys are okay. prowling around i mean that's what taylor lorenz does they i mean they they are they are tree literally, falls in the forest literally right? the enemy they are okay. trying to entrap people so i would just get i would get rid of them like enemy of the people yeah did i hear that once yeah somebody yeah. said that once somebody I think. said that they were yeah. right about that too mm-hmm. yeah chill Alex Jones seems to be the first guy to be punished for everything. He was the OG guy to kicked off Twitter. And right now, the fact that they're trying to say that he goes out and owes the families of Sandy Hook a billion dollars has me really nervous for what is going to happen with this precedent that is going to be set. I would try and get some of that overturned because the freedom of speech and you know freedom of exchange of ideas and information, if you can't have that without financial penalty at the back end, what good is the freedom of speech? Hmm. Let's get to predictions. Jill, you go first. Uh, well, a week ago, you, you were asking what race I would like to see the best, you know, go through. And and I picked the Pennsylvania governor race. Now I'm going to say Lee Zeldin. I think that he actually has a chance to beat Kathy Hochul there in New York. Crime is the number one issue, followed by inflation and then gun control and taxes. None of that works well for the Democrats. I, I agree. And, and what confirmed me, con- what, what finally convicted me that he could win this and might even be winning it, is they tried some ham-fisted uh, thing on, uh, you know, uh, illegal communications with his super PAC. Okay. If you are winning, you don't do stuff like that. All right. You're just throwing stuff against the wall right now. I agree with you on that. Aaron. I believe on November 9th in the contiguous United States, uh, lower 48, there will be no more than four Democrat governors west of the Mississippi river. And there could be only three. And one of those is a pro-lifer. I think that's entirely possible along those same lines. When this election ends, 
the only two major Gen X figures remaining in the Democratic Party will be Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris. In terms of people that have actually won a substantial election, mayor of South Bend, Rear Admiral Pete, ain't it? The only two, Kamala, of course, U.S. Senate, Newsom, governor, from the exact same state. Think that's a coincidence? I think the only two major elected officials that the from a Gen X perspective that will be left in the Democratic Party when this election is over are Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris. I think they will get a they will get generationally annihilated here. Any thoughts on that very quickly in 30 seconds? What one thing at this point are you most worried about when it comes to your own analysis of this election? Uh, Putin drops a nuclear bomb in Ukraine, and I don't know what the reaction to that is. Okay. I think anything short of that or the aliens say, take us to your leader or, a, you know, um, a trumpet sounds, this thing, this goose is cooked. Joe, good to see you as always. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Have a good weekend. See you guys. All right. We'll come back. It'll be Feedback Friday in your turn when we do. Stay tuned. Back here on the Steve Dace Show with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre. No Todd Erzin today. He's got the day off. But we will be getting to your feedback here, nevertheless, in just a few minutes. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. And then get clips of the show free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to Rumble.com com slash Steve Day Show. And remember, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. For those of you that tune into the podcast, thank you. You're a big reason for our ongoing uh, relationship here with The Blaze that we'll be cementing here shortly. Uh, and we want to thank you for that. And we urge you, if you've yet to do so, uh, send us your five-star reviews, uh, hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice, particularly iTunes, since that's the biggest podcast platform in the world, because those things help the show to continue to grow and they help us to continue to bring you this mediocre content. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We are very, very appreciative. Let's get to some Feedback Friday, which is brought to you by our friends over at Moink. Did you know a majority... Of all U.S. pork production comes from a singular company that has Chinese ownership. Uh, Just another reason why we should take more control over what we do here, whether it's our medical supply. We talked about that last hour. Whether it's about our energy supply, we are talking about that nearly every day. All right, because we went from energy independence to depleting our strategic oil preserve to levels we have not seen since the 80s. And now that comes as well with the food supply. That's why you want to sign up with our friends over at Moink. This is good old-fashioned American farming-to-table food, including grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more straight to your door. And when you sign up with our friends over at Moink Box, you get free filet mignon in every order you make for a year. Free filet mignon in every order you make for a year 
when you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. M-O-I-N-K for moinkbox.com slash Steve. Once again, that's moinkbox.com slash Steve. I'm going to warn you, I'm going to begin here with a note that has some very serious subject matter. may not be something if you've got children that are impressionable close by. Um, You may want to either uh, move to a place where they are not or come back and listen and watch this maybe later when they're not close by. But I think when we get to the end of this note, and it's a little longer than the stuff I typically share. When we get to the end of this note, though, I think you're going to recognize why I chose to why I chose to tackle it. Because unfortunately, in a post-sexual revolution society, there's a lot of us that bear these kinds of scars. And, and we're not sure where to go for healing. So I just wanted to warn you. Let's begin. This is from this is from Joe. I want to start with three questions I have that I've been unask, unwilling to ask anyone since I was 16 years old. Number one, is rape an unforgivable sin? Number two, is someone who facilitates a rape having committed an unforgivable sin? Number three, is a victim of rape who decides not to turn in a rapist the same as number two, an enabler? Because they might go on and rape someone again. I started listening to your show in late 2019. From 1986 until recently, I would always answer that I was agnostic when asked about my religious views. But recently, I've come to the realization that I would answer that way to avoid dealing with the above questions. Now, let me stop there, Joe, because I think a lot of us have done this. I did it. I think, I think, I think scores of humans have done this throughout history. You know, you hear people say nowadays... Um, well, I don't believe that's true. So, (laughs) okay. Because you believe something is true doesn't mean it is. Because you believe something is not doesn't mean it isn't. We don't conjure truth. We seek it. We find it. We don't conjure it. Now, I happen to believe, based on the evidence, that Jesus walked out of the tomb on the third day. It is because of that evidence that I believe it. It is not true because I believe it. My belief does not make an event said to have occurred or not over 2,000 years ago retroactively happen or not. It either happened over 2,000 years ago or it did not. And what I'm supposed to do is look at the evidence to determine whether it did or did not, and then respond accordingly. But a lot of us determine beliefs based on whether we believe it, not on whether it's true. So you're not unique. Darwin once himself said, Darwin's father encouraged him. I mean, Darwin is the Moses, the mosaic figure of atheism and agnosticism. He is its deliverer, its lawgiver. Darwin's father encouraged him. Darwin's mother belonged to the Church of England. His father was a secularist, but his father encouraged him to join the priesthood because it was a great vocation. Darwin himself said that he rejected Christianity because he couldn't possibly believe that if his loved ones did not seek forgiveness of their sins in Christ, that they would spend eternity in hell. And he called that a, quote, damnable doctrine. 
it might be a damnable doctrine. I'm not saying it's warm fuzzy. I'm not saying it, it makes you feel, you know, all tender inside. But that has nothing to do with whether it's true or not. I happen to think the law that belly fat goes last is a damnable doctrine. I would much prefer belly fat goes first. It doesn't. Did my belief alter whether belly, belly fat goes first or last, Aaron? No. No, it's going to happen the way it was designed to happen, whether it's what I want the design to be or not. So Darwin himself admitted he rejected Christianity because he didn't want to contemplate the consequences of its truth not on the evidence of whether it was true. So when you say that as well, Joe, you're, you're not new, brother, right? All of us have played this game to some degree. When I first started to listen to your show, I would always try to avoid Thursdays because of the religious aspect of those Theology Thursday episodes. As time went on, I realized Monday through Wednesday, I would answer religious points of a show before you would, and more times than not, even had the same take on a subject. So I eventually started listening on Theology Thursday and have the utmost respect for your team's knowledge on these topics. So I want to share with you my own background here. It goes back to 1986. I was a sophomore in high school and I was raped by a good friend's dad after drinking while over at his house. My friend only had one parent, his dad. I skipped school that Monday and confronted his dad and told him that if he ever came near me again, I would turn him in. But I did not want my friend to be put into the system. We were at the height of homophobia and the AIDS epidemic in 1986, so I didn't tell anyone about this. My friend died three years after this incident in a car accident. I found out after his death that he would set people up for his dad to abuse. In 1991, I had my first child, and at this time, I told my girlfriend later to be my wife in 1992 that I should have extensive blood work done to make sure I was not passing along any disease. I told her of the incident at that time, and she remained one of the only people who knew of it until the last decade, and I've told a few others. My wife has always told me that looking at the incident with the belief that I was as guilty as the other two for not turning him in and knowing that a predator will continue was too hard on myself. The reason for the questions above is that I have not come to realize that I told people I was agnostic because I did not want to face the fact that I would never allow myself to be part of God's flock. In other words, you don't think you're good enough. Spoiler alert, you're not, but I'll get to that in a minute. The reason for the first two questions is that while I was angry and younger, I could not believe that all sins could be forgiven and people allowed into heaven. And if that was the case, I did not believe I could get past that. I just want to thank the three of you again, because your team has at least made me start considering things again. God bless you all, Joe. Well, first of all, Joe, we are honored that God has used our show to have you at least start, as you said, considering things again. I will do my best. Now I'm, you know, just a sinner saved by grace, working out my salvation in fear and trembling. I am not a great theologian. I've just read a lot of them that are. I'm not a Bible scholar. I've just read it a lot. So I'm going to give you the best crack at this that I can. And then by all means, there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And you can take this clip and take it to people and 
that might have more accreditation and licensing and standing than I do and get second and third opinions. You're not good enough for God's flock. I'm not good enough for God's flock. No one is. All of us have done something wrong. All of us have. You are a victim of a heinous sin. One that, in my opinion, should include capital punishment in the criminal code. For the Bible says that sexual sin is one of the most destructive forms of sin. It's not penalized in the God in the kingdom of God's lawful hierarchy more than any other, but it is one of the more destructive forms because we are sinning against our own bodies and against someone else's. It's 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 the most intimate form of violation we can commit of another human being. And that's why, in my opinion, it should be a capital offense. And in the Levitical law of God, it was. You are the victim of a heinous sin slash crime. However, your conscience, I believe, is correctly pricking you about not speaking up about it and reporting it all these years. That is nowhere near on par with what was done to you. But here's why I find that to be an encouraging event. When we are being called by God to join his flock, one of the things it does is it causes us to admit accountability for whatever percentage Whatever percentage of a failing or a crime or a tragedy is our responsibility. Even if that percentage is just 1%. And it humbles us. Because we are reminded, therefore, by the grace of God, go I. I'm, even though, yes, I, I should have reported it. And yes, there's a possibility you came to this show for, for answers, so you know we're not lying to you or sugarcoating it. Can I sit here, Joe, and say today that there was no other, no other boys assaulted because you didn't say anything? No, I can't say that. And I don't think that you can either. That's why you sent the note and you're asking. And so now you know that there is something here that God needs to forgive you of. And any other sin you had which is going to be many because we're sinners many times over. And it's the recognition that you yourself sinned here by not reporting it. That then might cause you to understand why God might forgive your rapist if they were to earnestly seek forgiveness. Because there is no one good but God. Now, do not mistake forgiveness in a spiritual sense with justice. The reason why you should have reported it, my friend, 
is because the because God has graciously provided in his natural law government, human government, which brings the sword of righteousness against evildoers such as this rapist. So that, yes, whether it's an indefinite internment in a prison cell until death or moments before, as I would prefer it, we put a noose around their necks and kick the chair out from underneath them after a fair trial, of course. That the, the facing of those consequences for their actions may cause them to repent. Not escape justice for what they did, but eternal damnation from Almighty God. Furthermore, we are giving standing and crowns within the kingdom of God in eternity on the basis of our faithfulness to him. We are not saved on the basis of our faithfulness to him. But then how we received that salvation and what we did with that blessing. How did we faithfully and obediently live in accordance with that ultimate gift in eternity, we are rewarded on that basis. So do I believe if your rapist on his death throes sincerely sought the forgiveness of Christ for what he did, he would avoid hell. Yes, I do. Just as if you sincerely seek the forgiveness of Christ for the sins you've committed, so will you. But is the, is the fullness of the reward that he would receive in eternity the same as what someone who has lived a far more faithful life will receive? No, clearly not. That wouldn't be justice either. See, when you examine this from all angles, my friend, God's got this entire thing figured out. What's hard for those of us who have been violated like you have been by someone else's dad, but that you would have seen as a protector figure, a defender, as a father. Me violated in other ways by the person that I saw as my father. When that happens to us, Joe, it is very difficult very difficult, not for us to want justice or to have a zeal for it, but to accept forgiveness and altruism. The same thing you're struggling with in your note is also what I'm struggling with. We didn't have an earthly human example of a male role model who just did things that were right altruistically, because they were the right thing to do. In your case, your friend's father violated you and the sanctity of your bodily autonomy. In my case, my earthly father violated the sanctity of our home. That makes it very difficult later on to accept that the calculus with God can be trusted because we had no model that we could trust in the end, it let us down. It betrayed us. 
But I think the fact that you are asking these questions in the way that you are asking them, to me, means you are very close to finding the right answer. But ultimately, this isn't a math formula. The kingdom of the currency of the kingdom of God is faith. Will we ask, seek, and knock under the faithful presumption that God will righteously answer? Or will we not? The paradox here is that the answers you really want God to give you, he will. If you show him you really want those answers with faithful obedience. It's not you make demands on him and then he comes through and pays your ransom. It doesn't work that way. First of all, he already paid your ransom at the cross. He's not paying it again. So this is really about, will you approach the throne of grace and be willing to trust that the answers you will get are the ones that you seek? If you're willing to trust that they are, you will get them. But you will not get them without that trust. That's the paradox. And I get it. Took me quite a while to get to that trusting place myself. But the justice you seek, God has established. He allowed for earthly instruments such as government to punish evil. In this natural world, there is a hell to publish, to punish it for all of eternity. So just as we don't have to be, just as I, I get on this audience all the time, don't be nicer than God. Don't be more vengeful than God either. I'll leave it there. Aaron, did you want to comment on this at all? I think that was um, beautifully said, beautifully put. And I, I would add this as well. It's always a good reminder. Thank you. But God used this show in spite of the three people on it, not because. Amen to that. I want to, I, I want to I say that. And he's, he's gifted each of us, some more than uh, others, which is why his name is on the show. But I, I'm not really sure that... I'm not really sure that I could add much more than you did because of your background, Steve. Yeah, you uh, had a good dad. Yeah. You and have a good dad now. Yeah. So this is not difficult math for you. You have, you have other sinful math you have to struggle with because you're a sinner too. But this is not your sinful math struggle. This, this math adds up for you. It does. It does. And I, I think, I think the, the, the thing, though, that we can all um, grasp or at least appreciate is no matter what that, as you put it, math is, Steve, whatever that sinful math is, here in about a couple months, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be celebrating um, the man, the only person in human history, the only person in history of histories 
that has never sinned and it was the sacrifice for whatever that sinful math is that we deal with and then in about five or six months or whatever it is till till easter we will be commemorating when he was that sacrifice for us no matter what the sinful math is whether it is whether it is just abuse abuse that you have uh taken whether it is what you just spoke about or whether it's whatever the number of the, the, the thousands of other things that the thousands of people listening to this right now have to deal with. Christ died for those sins as well. And that's uh, at the end of the day. That's what we all have to take solace in. That's what we all have to celebrate, but, but really internalize and believe as well. Amen. So that was pretty heavy, right? So let's lighten it up here a little bit and talk about our friends at Built Bar. I just got a phone alert. Are you ready for Snickerdoodle Puff Built Bar? It's coming. Wow. <laughs> it's like, okay. Wow. Sold. All right. Snickerdoodle Puff Built Bar is on the way. Uh, but there are all their flavors are phenomenal and tremendous anyway all of them covered in real chocolate the greatest protein bar of all time you you will not believe that this is a protein bar loaded with protein not loaded with carbs calories or sugar it's i mean this isn't just a good protein bar it's just a good treat that happens to be a good protein bar no way no way I would have lost the 30 some odd pounds I lost this year on my goal to winning the la- to losing the last 50. No way with my sweet tooth I would have done it without Bill Bar. No way I would not have given up the minute all the Halloween stuff started showing up in the stores without Bill Bar. All right, it's just a phenomenal product. So get 15% off your order right now with the promo code DACE, 15% off with the promo code DEACE when you go to built.com. That's their website at Built Bar for built.com. Promo code DACE for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's go back to some feedback Friday. This is from Teresa Hill, who's an RN. She says, You guys spoke of the surprise that the UK's uh, NHS, National Health Service, is not supporting expensive drug use and expensive surgeries for minors wanting gender mutilation and blaming the U.S. for the push. Remember, this is, I think this is a key point, Aaron, that she made. All right. Remember, the U.K. has socialized medicine that is completely collapsing. And so it cannot afford for more expensive and unproven therapies. And I, so therefore, I think that its decision here wasn't a moral decision or an efficacy decision at all. It's just, they, it's just simply they can't afford this level of elective disfigurement. In the U.S., meanwhile, insurance companies are paying for these expensive drugs and for the expensive surgeries and all the follow-ups. This has been the reason these major healthcare centers have wanted in and have become gender centers. They are money-making departments for the healthcare system. If the money was not there, there would be no support by the medical community. So this is just about greed. They do not care about the children. They're just a sacrifice that must be made for the greed. That is something we did not think about the other day that we should have. So thank you, Teresa, for that salient point. What does that sound like? This is the theory that I came up with when uh, Rob Roos, and I can't remember the other other EU politician uh, that uh, spoke out against the the jabs. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Now, Rob Roos seems like he understands what time it is. The other dude I'm not really sure about. I don't don't know. But um, 
this is the theory that I had, which is it's just convenient right now because they they bought the, they bought way, 10, 10 jabs for every person in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Ten jabs. And now nobody's well, a nobody's taking them. And B, uh, they've got all this inventory that they're not going to use. So they need to find an excuse basically to uh, you know, find a bad guy and maybe recoup some of their money that they that they spent on all these jabs. That kind of sounds similar to what the emailers saying. Well, amen. So, Steve, are you now arguing for national health care? Well, well, what did they do in the UK just a few years ago? Uh, they killed a baby boy named Alfie yeah. Evans in cold blood. So, there is no system that makes us righteous. This is why I'm not a libertarian. Too many people that are libertarians think it is an aspirational philosophy that if we follow libertarianism, we'll be better off as a people. I remember one day listening to Dr. Laura and a young woman called up. Um, she got up before her boyfriend, her baby daddy got up, who was abusive. And this was her third or fourth baby daddy. And she called Dr. Laura looking for help. And Dr. Laura basically yelled at her and said, what do you do? Get out of there. Get out of there. She can't. If she was capable of just on her own, leaving that level of attachment behind, she wouldn't be tethered to it. There's something else metaphysical happening here. On her own, she cannot save herself. That's why she keeps wooking Penub. She, she's, she can't detach herself. She's seeking help. Not a pep talk. And think, don't think she hasn't thought about just getting up and leaving. She doesn't have the worldview to do it. She called you, Laura, because she thought you had some answers and might give it to her. Likewise, libertarianism isn't like, hey, let's put all these policies in. You know what? We're good, moral, righteous people now. No. Libertarianism, limited government isn't any more aspirational than big government is. Because the people are the problem. So no, national health care, the same thing that had them say, you know what? We're not going to do these gender mutilations of kids because it's just too expensive is the same thing that said, kill that Alfie Evans in cold blood. Same greed, just a different kind of greed. Greed in service of the state, as opposed to service of the corporation. Human nature is the problem. Libertarianism is what happens to a moral and righteous society. They're moral and righteous, and so they say, we now want to live thusly. It doesn't make them moral and righteous any more than government does, because humans are there too. More Feedback Friday in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Omega XL. You've got over, what is it, uh, 360 places in the body called joints, which are key for uh, flexibility and activity all at every stage of life, but even more so as we get older. But, you know, things get tougher as we get older. Uh, we get uh, a lot more inflammation in those joints as well. And that's likely the cause of the lingering achiness, soreness, stiffness that you have in your back, your knees, your neck, etc. Unless you have something clinically wrong, 
But if it's not clinical, then it's chronic. And that's usually anti- because of too much inflammation in the body. That's why you're looking for an anti-inflammatory that is all natural, that has decades of research that has gone into this formula. And I can just tell you from personally using it daily for almost every day for the last three years, I take it with me wherever I go. Omega XL is a fantastic product. It is my post-workout go-to every day. And they're offering you buy one bottle, get a second one for free right now. Buy one bottle, get a second one for free right now when you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, OmegaXL.com slash Steve or call them at 800-844-4888. 800-844-4888. Got some breaking news here, okay. actually. Um, they have uh, Elon Musk has started laying off. Twitter staff, not just the executives like he did last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fired a team of engineers. This is Dear Dear Deidre, Deidre Bosa, uh, blue check on Twitter. Okay. Outside Twitter HQ. Quote, they are visibly shaken. Daniel, an engineer, tells us he owns a Tesla and doesn't know how he's going to make payments. That was an earnest tweet. Yes, I, of course it was. Of course there was. There is no self-awareness. There is none. There is absolutely none. And of course, these are the compassionate people, you know, single moms out there thinking to themselves, where am I going to get health care for my kids and uh, get formula? How All am right? I going to pay for my Tesla? How am I going to pay for my Tesla? How about the fact, dude, the ink wasn't even dry. I love it. And he just love lev- it. He leveled their executive staff last night, first thing. Yep. Before we went to bed, he had fired all those people. How about them apples? They can go home and sleep on a pile of cash, but uh, yeah, that, yeah, I still like it, though. Still yeah. love it. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. Patrick says, the Old Testament makes many references to a remnant of Israel and the importance of having that remnant after times of rebellion against God to rebuild the country. Since our country and much of the world are spiritually so far gone, do you think at this point in our, our, our mission is to maintain a remnant of Israel similar to in the Old Testament, or is the idea of a remnant obsolete post-Jesus? Um, no, it is not obsolete. Um, in fact... Jesus's kingdom emerges from a remnant, 12 apostles surrounded by about a roughly a hundred other people that had become uh, followers that stayed true to the teachings of Christ after his arrest and execution. That's who's holed up in that upper room. I mean, I've made this point before. I would imagine there aren't too many want to be pastors at a seminary in America right now that whose hope is that one day, one day, if it all goes great and the Lord provides, they will get to preach in front of 110 people. <laughs> probably, probably not too many people that are holding out for a crowd of 110. Christ preached in Israel for three and a half years in person on foot throughout the nation. When it was all said and done, that's about what he had left, 110. Everybody else pretty much scattered. And the 110, by the way, let's not romanticize them, Aaron. All right? They were kind of hanging on. They kind of weren't sure. Didn't think he was coming back. Thought it was, you know, 
I mean, they were devoted, but they had no idea what they were going to do next, what they were supposed to do. Were they really hanging out because they were scared or because they were still faithful? The answer to that question is probably yes. Yep. Okay. So let's not make it look like those 110 were like 100% and 10% in. They weren't until they put their hands through his or their fingers through his nail scarred hands. Then they were. All right. So, brother, it's always a remnant, right? It's always a remnant. 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, remnant. It's always a remnant. Always it is. It's because um, Christianity fundamentally is not popular because it tells you to deny your flesh. Yes. And so it cannot be, it, it cannot be popular. Now, there are a lot of adherents to the Christian faith, obviously, but it's still always a minority and as you put it, always a remnant. It's supposed to be this way. You're supposed to feel comfortable being uncomfortable. You're supposed to feel comfortable being um, sojourners, sojourners like sojourners in a foreign land. You're, you're supposed to feel not at home in this world. That's that's kind of the point. And in a way, I am advocating this sort of remnant theology when I talk about making red states redder, red communities redder. Moving away from places that are hopeless now, our buddy Shannon Joy might be uh, pimp slapping me around here in about a week and a half because our list of the places that are are hopelessly irredeemable might be a lot shorter than I thought it was maybe a month ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) based on how this election might go. Okay, Um, so I'll have to I'll have to come to grips with that. All right. And, And believe me, I would love to come to grips with that. I would love to I would love to finally come on here and say guys I was too pessimistic this time. Aaron, how many times have I been able to do that in the years you have worked here since what 2015? Maybe once or twice. Yeah, maybe. Not often. So trust me, I will I will happily come on here like if New York if Zeldin wins, I will happily come on here, take my whooping, let Shannon Joy pimp slap me around a little bit for giving up on her native New York and telling her to move out. All right, I'll take it. I would love to take it. That that is a that is a comeuppance. I will gladly submit to. All right. But even if the list might turn out here on November the eighth to be shorter than we thought, will there still be a list of irredeemable places? Yeah. Yes. So in a way, I'm advocating this sort of remnancy, if you will. It's always a remnant. This is what Samuel Adams meant when he said when he talked about the tireless. You know, vocal minority is who, you know, enacts change in any era of history, any society. It's always a remnant. Um, great question. Where do I want to go next? Um, do, you let's, want, do you want another breaking news update? Yeah, if you got more, go we're ahead. Not, we're, not, uh, we're not in the business of being the first to be wrong here. But they have arrested, they already arrested uh, a guy in the attack of Paul Pelosi. They've released his name now. It's a Berkeley man named David DePepe. DePepe, I think is how you say it. Multiple people. I don't know if this is the same Berkeley David DePepe. Multiple people have pointed out, based on a news article from a local news outlet there, there is a David DePepe from Berkeley who is a transient nudist. Total MAGA type. We were, we were joking during the break. And obviously, you know, a home invasion for anybody is nothing to joke about. All right. So, you know, hope everybody there is safe. Not too many scary horror movies actually scare me anymore. What was the one about the the creepy family 
with Liv Tyler, where they do the home invasion with her and her husband. And then at the end of the movie, she asked him, why are you doing this to us? And they said, because you were home. That's, that's like the one, that's like the one movie that like I kept the light on after seeing that. The Strangers. Yeah. That's like the one movie, like in the last 30 years that I kept the lights on after watching that. I mean, that movie, you know, the idea of home invasion is unsettling. So, but we did kind of wonder when they were going to roll out with, and he came into the Pelosi home with, this is MAGA country, bitch. Right. Mm-hmm. When we kind of thinking that that w- this was going to be some kind of pre-election setup, and it turns out maybe it was actually a, actually a random serious crime by a piece of human debris. Right. Yep. Yeah. On the other hand, the Berkeley nudist. You know, let's not do that because it, it, just in case it's not him. Granted, I would imagine there aren't too many David Pepe de Pepe's. De Pepe's in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, probably not too many of those in the phone book. You know. It could be. I don't even know what I would say, what to think about a Berkeley nudist. Transient nudist. Transient Berkeley nudist. Thank you. Uh, doing a home invasion of the Pelosi's. I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what to do with that. Right? Isn't that a little bit like having a George Floyd funeral right out, riot right outside CNN headquarters? Kind of like E.T. phone home? Yeah. 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 Um, before we uh, close this out. A word about our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, then you know that taking care of your pet means more than just food and water. It's health and happiness, a big part of your family, because it's a big part of your family. But did you know that it is quite likely a lot of the food you are feeding your pet is stripped of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your pet needs before it ever left the factory? For the same reason, they've stripped a lot of your foods of those things, too, because they have our mass distribution consumption food system. That's why, as human beings, we are taking so many supplements these days, and that's why there is now one for your pet called Rough Greens. It's a supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food, and with that one act... You have helped to restore a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients missing from your pet's diet. But you might be wondering, what if it doesn't work? You know, what if my pet doesn't like the taste of it? That's, we agree, those are good questions. And we also recognize in the Let's Go Brandon economy, you don't need any more useless expenditures. That's why we give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com or call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. We ask you to pay for the shipping, not because we can't afford it, I mean, at this point, we're giving you the product for free. What's a few more bucks for the shipping? But we're concerned that if we pay for the entire thing, you'll just put it on a shelf and never use it. We have a tendency to use the stuff that we paid for more than the stuff we did not. Okay? So we want you to be invested because it's a good product. We think it'll be good for your pet. That's why you pay for the shipping. We'll pick up the far bigger expense, though, with the product. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, or call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Um... Let's go here next. Nancy Lamphere says, it came to me that um, this is what we're all fighting for. The right to calling ourselves Americans and the right to claim our history. One side wants to get back to something closer to what the founders had in mind and are willing to do a detailed examination of the U.S. Constitution for what allows us to get to this point. The other side wants to revamp our institutions on the back of our Constitution, citing the atrocities that they claimed it allowed as sufficient reason to rewrite it. Whoever loses this fight will be starting over from scratch and less likely to survive. I agree with that. I mean, if, I, if you'll permit me a plug, that's why I agreed to do this children's book. And we hit uh, the top 30 overall on Amazon yesterday of every book in the country. That's incredible. 
Well, first of all, it's a testament to the size of Glenn Beck's audience because it's no coincidence that we did that after being on Glenn's show. But now it is certified. We have a second bestseller with our new children's book, Why Thanksgiving? The Pilgrims started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. That's available right now at Amazon. I don't know how much longer it'll be available. I think we're going to sell out our entire printing based on what I was told yesterday. So I've gotten a ton of pictures. You want to talk about a great honor. A lot of you have sent pictures with your kids and grandkids reading the book. That's just a tremendous compliment, man. I can't just tell you how much that means to me to see that, um, that you would entrust our content with your own children. So thank you for uh, that success to all of you. Thanks to Glenn for giving me access to all of his as well, uh, because this thing has become a rousing success. But that's why I wanted to do America's Christian Heritage, to put that providential history back into our history. It was taken out for a reason. It needs to be put back in for an even better one. Because, Nancy, you're right. This is an existential steel cage match. Two worldviews have entered. Only one of them is coming out. They cannot accommodate one another. It's impossible. And I know a lot of us would prefer it not get to that point. I'm not in for zero-sum game politics myself. The problem is, even if we chose to not let it get to that point on our end, the other side has made it known it is getting to that point on their end whether we take part in it or not. So then we have to ask ourselves, at what point do we have to agree to those rules of engagement? Otherwise, we have destined and sentenced our children to this insanity by punting. I think we are at that point. Now, that's why, you know, you've heard Aaron and I talk on the show recently. Here's our new standard for politics. Anything that doesn't explicitly violate the word of God, we will do to defeat you. Anything. No matter, we don't care what human traditions or virtues it violates, we don't care. Anything that doesn't explicitly damage our public witness by violating the laws of nature and nature's God, anything short of that we will do because here's the new standard. We like it better when the people that we agree with win and the people that don't agree with us lose. Amen? Amen. That's the standard now. When we got into this, was that our standard? Was it just that simple? No. No, because that would make it a zero-sum game, and that has the potential to existentially wreck a civilization, right? So you only go to a zero-sum game when you are already at risk of existentially wrecking your civilization, and we are. I listened to Robert Cahaley, the great pollster at Trafalgar. I listened to him with our friend and colleague Daniel Horowitz on his podcast while I was in the shower this morning. And Daniel, I got to get your take on this, on this, Aaron. Daniel asked, what, asked um, uh, Robert, what, were, what was the key issue or two driving this election, like inflation, the economy? Here was Kahaley's answer, all of them. He said, the reality is no matter where we go or who we call, we get all the same answers. We can't tolerate this grooming stuff. We can't tolerate, I don't, want, I don't want my kids subjected to this grooming stuff in the school. I don't want my, my teenagers dying with a fentanyl overdose. Um, you know, I want to feel safe with the crime in my streets and I don't. I can't afford stuff. His point was, this was the first time he had polled an election where people voting sensed systemic collapse. Not just an issue or two like an Obamacare in the Tea Party years, right? Okay. Um, but systemic levels of collapse. I thought I found that to be a fascinating observation by Kahaley. Also encouraging in a weird way. Like there's there's part of there there are some moments when we come in and granted we we follow this closer than the average bear just because this is our our, our job. But there are moments 
there are moments, there was one moment, I think over the summer, where Republicans were working hard to completely vanquish all of the energy and all the, the momentum that we had from several wins out of Florida, the Musk news earlier in the year. Republicans in Washington were working as hard as they could to squash that momentum. And it was in the midst of that and, and uh, of course, the, the weekly groomer stuff. There was one morning, and maybe there was multiple mornings, Todd came in, and I can't remember what the story was that was the impetus to this, and I just told him, man, it could just be that we lost. Mm. It could just be that we lost. Mm -hmm. There have been multiple moments like this, but then when I hear that from Kahaley, there's still something. It, it, there's a remnant. There's a remnant. People mm -hmm. are not that far gone. That it. What what frustrates me and what makes me feel hopeless sometimes is that it could just be we're just so far gone we're not even capable of knowing that we're on the brink of systemic collapse. But let's when find hear, out if that's true. But let's find out, and yeah. from Kahaley's perspective anyway. Yeah, seems like people are figuring that out. Let's let the remnant have its say, and let's find out. We might not like the answer, but we also might like the answer. So let's find out what the answer is. Great stuff. Thank you guys for joining us here today and all week long. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back at it again on Monday from noon to 2 Eastern right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.